Hello and welcome. You are listening to Uncut, the podcast about how to stay surgery free and live a healthy lifestyle. I'm Dr. Tom Padilla, owner of the Doctors of Physical Therapy. It's a clinic that leads the U.S. in helping adults over 30 to avoid surgery and drugs and live an active, healthy lifestyle. If you're looking for ways to maximize not only the years in your life, but the life in your years, you're in the right place. We are committed to delivering information that will help you live life today and for many, many years to come. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Uncut. In this episode, we are talking about hip replacements, why people consider it, the different types of replacements, what to look for to know if you might be able to avoid getting a hip replacement, the early signs of the things that lead to needing a hip replacement and what you might be able to do about those, who to ask for a second opinion if you are considering a hip replacement, and more. My name is Dr. Tom Padilla. I own a physical therapy clinic in Scottsdale, Arizona called the Doctors of Physical Therapy. One of the most common things that we see are individuals who are considering hip replacements and they either want to do physical therapy before as a form of prehabilitation or they're asking us if we can help them to avoid it. So I want to take you guys through the questions of why you might consider hip surgery. We may even talk about the different types of replacements that you would consider and address the other questions to know if you are in the market for hip surgery or have a friend or family member or loved one who might be looking into getting a hip replacement, what to look for to know if they might actually not be a candidate or be someone who might be able to get the problem solved with a non-surgical or more conservative method. I'm going to tell you about a client. Her name's Bobby. Bobby's 69 years old. When I met her, she had hip pain in the side of the hip and radiating pain down the leg. This was preventing her from hiking or dancing, which was a problem because Bobby was fresh on the dating scene. Bobby's pain would prevent her from walking her dog. It would prevent her from getting a good night's sleep. And as I said, most of the pain was located on the outside of her hip. Now, typically, when people are considering hip replacements. This is important to keep in mind for later on. Their pain is going to be located more in the groin area or the deep area where your thigh meets your body. Bobby came to see us because her trainer had recommended her to us. She had actually just finished a course of physical therapy with another PT clinic here in town. That PT had said that it was bursitis and that was what was causing her pain. And she was a little bit confused because she had also been to a surgeon to consult with about the pain. And this surgeon happened to be a guy that she had used for a spinal surgery several years ago. So seven years ago, she had a laminectomy because she had been having similar pain that radiated down her leg. And it worked out really well. She actually had a really good back surgery experience. She recovered well. She was able to be active and strong afterwards and really didn't have any complications or issues after. She had gone back to that surgeon to see if this was possibly another back surgery situation. And he had done an injection at the L4 nerve root and the pain had reduced. So he said that it may respond well to back surgery. So Bobby was in this place where she had a PT telling her that it was hip bursitis and that was causing her pain. And she had a surgeon that she had had a successful surgery with tell her that it would most likely just respond to surgery in the back. And so she was really coming to us for some clarity 
We have a reputation as diagnosticians here in the Valley. So she came to us hoping that we could help her figure out, was this coming from her hip? Was it coming from her back? And again, she wasn't really against getting surgery. She just wanted to make sure that she covered all of her bases. So during our first meeting, what Bobby let us know is that she would also be going to consult with two different orthopedic surgeons during the first few weeks of our care. And these surgeons' area of specialty was the hip. She had been told by one of these surgeons that she had severe degeneration in the hip, and that was confirmed on an x-ray. And so at this point, she was pretty convinced that she would be getting a hip replacement and that what we were helping her with was prehabilitation. So getting her strong before surgery so that she could recover from surgery well. A quick note on prehabilitation is if you are considering any sort of orthopedic surgery, let's say that it's a surgery that you're already set on or that the degeneration is so significant that really surgery is your only option, prehabilitation is always, always, always a great idea. You want to make sure that you are strong going into surgery. It makes coming out of surgery so much better. It makes your recovery so much faster. It's crazy that that not everybody recommends that you get prehabilitation prior to, but it is hands down one of the best things that you could do for yourself if you are considering or already set up for orthopedic surgery. All right, so back to Bobby. Okay, so during my first meeting with Bobby, she let me know that she was going to go see these these hip orthopedics. So we said, okay, let's see, uh, let's see what we can figure out and perform a little diagnostics and see what's actually uh, contributing to your pain. See if we can find the root cause. So we analyzed what was going on and then we found a lot of weakness in the deep hip stabilizers. These are likely muscles that you've never heard of, the gemelli and the obturators. Most people, when they think of the hip, they think of the glute. They think glute med, glute min, glute max, but these muscles do not stabilize your hip as much as they do move it. Now, your glute min is a stabilizer, but the gemelli and the obturators are the deepest stabilizers in your hip. If you know anything about the shoulder, they're kind of like the rotator cuff of the shoulder. These guys specialize in rotating the hip and they're super underused because as we get older and as we go through life, we start doing a lot of uh, linear activity. We run forwards, we walk forwards, we sit all day and we stop doing the things that we did when we were young, like play tag where you're required to run from side to side and do a lot of directional changes. Or some people do rec sports after work or on the weekends, but you start participating in that sport without any real warm up because you know, you're a superhero and it's unlikely that you'll get injured until you do. (laughs) And so slowly these muscles, we get worse and worse at using them until something serious happens and, and they fail. Quite literally, you can go years without actually using these muscles appropriately. So they really atrophy. These are not muscles that are targeted with your typical clam exercise. The clam is an exercise that you'll find literally all the hip patients at physical therapy clinics doing. Seriously, patients come to us and they say, If I have to do one more clam, I'm going to be sick. But what they really mean is the things that I was doing at the other clinic over and over never worked. And now I'm here and I'm really frustrated. The big news is that the clam doesn't actually target the muscles that we're talking about, not in the specific way that those need to be targeted in order to actually stabilize the hip. The big reason that this is important is because that dictated our plan with Bobby. So the plan was to target these deep hip stabilizers. And what we found was that as these got stronger, her larger muscle groups started to relax a little bit. So her quads got looser, her glutes got looser, her piriformis got looser. 
And as those muscles started to relax, they stopped pinching on her sciatic nerve and her nerve pain started to go away down her leg. This is a really important point. Most treatment philosophies are going to tell you to stretch and stretch and stretch to relieve the compression in the joint because your hips are so tight. But what's important to understand is that these muscles are tight because they're compensating for weak muscles, the stabilizing muscles that are not doing their job because you haven't been doing lateral and rotational movements for years. Stretching these tight muscles will only lead to temporary relief and strengthening of the weak stabilizers is the only thing that will get you long-term results to where the hip becomes more stable and those large muscles stop compressing it. Because before that happens, if those muscles are left as weak, the small stabilizers next to the hip, you have a instability issue in the hip. You can test this on yourself. One of the first things that goes for people that have hip stability issues is single leg balance. If you can't stand on one leg quietly without your knee shaking in and out or constantly trying to readjust with your foot, chances are you have a stability issue in that hip. It could also be a stability issue in the foot, but a lot of the times it starts with the hip. The problem is, as that instability occurs over time, then the big muscles start to try to tighten up to compensate for that instability. So now you've got a loose, unstable joint, and then you've got these bigger muscles compressing that joint to try to give it some form of stability. And so what happens is you get this situation where it's both loose and compressed. So that results in grinding, which over time causes that cartilage to grind down until you have what Bobby had, which is a bone-on-bone situation. So what ended up happening with her though, we had some ups and downs over the first week. She had one flare-up of her sciatica symptoms, but overall made some headway in that first week. By the second and third week, she was much better. She no longer had shooting pain in her legs. Most of that daily pain that she was suffering with was gone. She was able to get up and walk her dog without having to do exercises in the morning. And by the fourth week, she had her second orthopedic consult with another hip surgeon here in town. And he informed her that she was no longer a candidate for surgery and that he wouldn't even consider it. She's now well on her way to getting back on her hikes and dancing the night away. And all of this can be solved with strengthening the deep hip rotators. There are a lot of people out there, you might be one of them, or you might know somebody who's considering um, getting a hip replacement. And the issue is that without the correct rehabilitative steps, you don't stand a chance at actually avoiding it. If you go to PT, but the exercises are not the right exercises that target the gemelli and the obturators and the deep hip stabilizers to decrease the overactivity of the piriformis and the glutes and the hamstrings, or if you're going to PT and you're doing the same things over and over and you're not experiencing changes, remember with Bobby, she went from considering a hip replacement to by the second or third week, not having pain to the fourth week to not even being a surgical consult. Typically, it is the case. If you've been doing the same thing over and over for two, three, or four weeks and had minimal to no change, I want to strongly advise that you get a second opinion on who your physical therapist is or the treatment direction that you're going. In my clinic, we pay attention to this a lot. When there is an instance in, in which somebody is not getting better with the chosen treatment direction, it is our responsibility as the doctor to change that treatment direction, not just say, oh, well, I guess it's just going to take more time. Or worse, what a lot of our clients report is that they get blamed for not doing the exercises. But guess what? It's not really your fault or their fault. 
when they've been given a list of 20 exercises that are seemingly random and none of them seem to help, who would keep doing those exercises two, three, four times a day or going to PT two to three times a week if you don't actually feel like you're getting better and you don't understand why you're doing the exercises that you're doing and how each one actually contributes to your overall condition. So when it comes to why people consider hip replacements, it's typically because you've started to have a lot of pain when you walk and you're limping as you're just like walking your dog down the street or going to the mailbox. Typically, we don't notice a lot of hip pain until it starts to affect the things that we do in our day-to-day life. Or you kind of lull yourself into thinking that it's just a little bit of hip pain. I can live with this. Then comes the day where you're actually getting a hip replacement and you wish that you had paid a little bit more attention to that little nagging hip pain that just seems to never go away. So we talked a little bit earlier about what to look for to know that you might be getting hip instability and that you might be able to avoid it. So chances are, if you're considering getting a hip replacement and you have anything other than the pain in the groin, let's say you have lateral hip pain like Bobby did, or let's say that your pain is more located in the glutes or the lower leg area or the gluteal fold, so just below the buttock and above the thigh, chances are that you might not need a hip replacement. And there's going to be a lot of people who are willing to replace your hip with any sort of pain pattern. One of the primary symptoms of having severe osteoarthritis is groin pain. So having pain in the groin is really the only significant pain that's typically associated to needing a hip replacement and or a deep pain in the glutes at the same time. The best way to actually know if you might be able to avoid it is get up right now while you're listening to this podcast. If you're not driving, stand on one leg, see if you wobble around. Even if you don't have any hip pain, if you can't stand on one leg and you're not 95 years old, I'm sure there's 95 year olds out there who can stand on one leg better than a lot of 45 year olds that we see in our clinic. And it often starts with hip instability. So if you even have a little bit of nagging hip pain or discomfort or tightness, and you can't stand on one leg, chances are your hip is already becoming unstable. If you're unstable on that leg, you may be able to start doing exercises to actually help increase the stability of that hip. As the stability improves, you should notice a relief in the tightness that surrounds your hip. And as that tightness resolves, you should then notice a significant decrease in your pain. So early signs of instability we already talked about. It's knowing if you can't stand on one leg, or feeling like you kind of uh, waver side to side as you're walking. If you're already considering surgery and you're wondering if you should get a second opinion, the answer is yes. So who should you get a second opinion from? You could get a second opinion from an orthopedic surgeon, but it might make more sense to get a second opinion from somebody who makes a living helping people avoid surgery. You'd want both ends of the spectrum to be able to make an accurate judgment. Now, if you are going to go to an orthopedic surgeon to get a second surgical consult, what you want to look for, get on the surgeon's profile and read their website and see what it says about them. If you've already had an opinion from a surgeon that wants to do surgery, you're looking for a surgeon whose bio says something like, really believes in conservative methods before jumping to joint replacements and or surgery. You want someone who puts themselves out there as that person. So ultimately, this second surgeon that Bobby went to His website says that that's what he does is ultimately he tries every conservative method that he can before resorting to surgery. He didn't even advise that she does cortisone injections because it'll weaken the tendons in her hip over time. 
only speeding up any degenerative changes that she's going to have. So really do your research, look into your surgeons, and make sure you read their bios to make sure that they're consistent with actually who you would be willing to get a second opinion from. It's at the opposite end of that spectrum. But if you're looking for somebody who can solve hip pain and help you avoid surgery, you may be looking for a doctor of physical therapy. And not all physical therapists are created equal. You also want to do your research here. Make sure you read anything and everything that you can. Look for recommendations from friends and family members. You are looking for a strength-based physical therapist or someone who is able to identify exactly what the issue is, which muscles are underperforming, which ones are overcompensating. And then you want them to be able to explain that to you in a way that you really understand. And then further, what you're looking for is beyond that second and third week, there should be changes. And if there are not changes, then there needs to be a conversation about the treatment direction needing to change. And you shouldn't have to be the one to bring this up. But unfortunately, in a lot of instances, it is left to the patient. So don't find yourself in a situation where you're talking to an aide or a technician at a PT clinic and you're not getting better and they're telling you that it's just going to take more time. So the most important things to know is that hip replacements can be avoided. If you're going to have a surgical consult, make sure you also have a surgical consult with a surgeon who does not jump to surgery as the first conclusion. You need to find somebody that can accurately address, assess, and identify the key issues inside your hip that are leading to instability in the gemelli and the obturator musculature, which is causing the compensations and the hip tightness. If you do this early enough in your journey, you can absolutely avoid hip surgery for many, many, many years. And there are some instances in which if your hip is so severely degenerated at this point that you've tried some of the other things that I'm talking about and you're very confident that you've gone to a good physical therapist, surgery might be your only option at this point. And then you want to consider that it's important that you don't wait too long. The hip replacements have a life expectancy and you don't want that expectancy to run out when you're, say, 90 years old. Because if you need a replacement, you're much less likely to be able to handle that kind of surgery when you're that old. So those are all the things that you have to consider. My best advice to you is to start early, start noticing. If you have trouble standing on one leg, for instance, figure that out, even if you don't have pain yet. If you are doing the same things over and over for your tight hips or your loose hips or something just doesn't feel right, be proactive about it and get it addressed because in the end, what you do now determines who you are 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. A lot of these things can be avoided. And if you don't want to be that person who's talking about their fresh, brand new knee replacement or hip replacement, then what you do now is what's important. And that's what matters. This is Dr. Tom Padilla with the Doctors of Physical Therapy in Scottsdale. I hope you took away a lot of good information from this podcast. If you liked it, please share it with a friend or family member, rate it, let us know what you think. You can always send us comments and questions about any surgeries that you might be wondering about or would like more information. Until then, take care.